0: Surprisingly, I've been laying, for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. Cornwall Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined by my co-host, Aaron Murray. But guess what? Aaron is about to have a baby any day now, so obviously... He can take this week off on the podcast. I wanted to jump back in, get everybody caught up on what's going on in the world of college football. What can we expect this fall? Seems like new storylines are coming out every single day. So I said, why not fire it up, read through the headlines, give you what I'm thinking, and get you up to date. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Drew Butler. On Twitter and Instagram. And for everybody who's been asking me about merchandise, about maybe a blog coming up, a revamped puntandpass.com will be up and running in the next couple of weeks. That's right, puntandpass.com will be up and running. In the next couple of weeks, when we reach a milestone that I think we will reach here in the next week or so, that thing will be live. Yes, we will have a shop on it so you can purchase the merchandise that a lot of people ask me that they see on social media, and I think I'm going to have a little blog section on there just to keep everybody up to date with what's going on inside my head about what we are hearing within the world of college football right now. And guess what? Signs are good because players and teams have reported back to campus. Signs are bad because, yes, some players have tested positive. How about Ohio State? Ohio State, the Buckeyes, are making their student athletes sign a COVID waiver among them getting back to campus. And the question that I get asked the most, are we going to have fans in the stands this fall? I don't know. I don't know yet, but let's dive right into it. So the most important thing is that players – and teams have reported back to campus. Yes, most players and teams reported back on June 8th last week, and that's what I was hearing in the middle of May when I had reached out to some sources, some coaches, some players. What are you hearing? I was hearing that coaches were going to be there in the early part of June and student-athletes in the middle part of June. It looks like They came to a compromise and everybody went back on June 8th. If you've seen the videos, if you're on social media, whatever team you follow, obviously you're seeing them doing whatever they can to help stop the spread, to manage their protocols within the facilities, wearing masks, social distancing, spread out times to work out, disinfecting everything that you possibly can, whether it's smaller numbers of people in the weight room, smaller numbers of people... In the meeting rooms, again, just making sure that they're doing everything that is needed to make it imperative that not everybody gets. Coronavirus. And the thing that's happened now is, is yes, student athletes are going back to campus, but before they go back to campus, they have to be tested. And obviously, every university is going to have their own set of protocols if somebody does test positive. Keep in mind, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids. Also, keep in mind, most of them are in fantastic shape. So yes – Obviously, when you gather a bunch of people from all over the country to come back after this pandemic, which is still ongoing, there will be positive tests, right? I think the question then goes to, well, what are the symptoms? What is going on? Is it is – it de- are they going to the hospital? Are they having to be put on ventilators? Are they in critical condition? Or did these kids not even know they had it? Maybe they felt like crap for two days. Laid low, hydrated, and they're back to normal, which seems to, if you read any sort of statistic, I think, and from what I've gathered, the 18 to 22-year-old range, especially if you're in good health, it's not very um, serious. Now, obviously, there can be, and tragically, there has been serious issues in that age group, but the statistics show 65 and older, it is a very, very scary disease. That is going around. Would you rather the kids still be at home and probably not get the test or head back to campus where they're going to have housing, where they're going to have Internet, where they're going to have access to food, where they're going to have access to their weight room, where they're going to have access to their team facilities and study film and get ready for the football season or still be at home? And not have any of those things in most cases, or in certainly in some cases, as we talked about in previous podcasts, and maybe not even ever get the test for coronavirus. I think it was 100% positive that players were going to test positive for the coronavirus, whether active or for the antibodies. But the question has to be. What is the situation? Obviously, they're going to have to be quarantined. Obviously, they're going to go back and see who they've been around, if any other other teammates, and then they're going to have to test them and watch them a lot. But if it's not as serious or life-threatening, hopefully they will remain safe and they can reenter the team facility and work out with their teammates when they are deemed eligible and healthy. I, I don't think it's necessary, and I haven't seen one yet. Maybe you can tell me on social media, at Drew Butler, if you have seen a college athlete that has returned to campus, tested positive, and been in really bad condition, and therefore infected more players or student-athletes that he has been around. But from what it seems like, this was a good measure because it actually shows that the NCAA and the universities are looking out for the student-athletes' best interest. I really do believe that. You might think I'm crazy for saying that, but I I firmly do believe, like you saw Alabama had a couple of guys test positive. I think Auburn had a couple of guys test positive. Um, I haven't seen – did Texas or Houston did as well? I know Houston's in a specific situation where they had to actually stop voluntary workouts on campus and kind of shut it down because it's spiking in that specific area. But I haven't seen one where a player was in really bad shape and it was really rapidly spreading around that respective team i really do think this shows the path forward when we talked to dr Destin hill on the podcast a month ago he said this is what it's going to have to be you're going to have to take that leap of faith you're going to have to be able to test at the university and if something happens you have to prove that you have the system in place to make sure it doesn't spread to make sure they get better to make sure you can move forward I really do. When I saw the headlines about Alabama, I think six players tested positive upon returning. I said, this is what it's going to have to take, and you hope and pray those guys are healthy sooner rather than later. Maybe they were asymptomatic. Maybe they had mild symptoms. I don't know if any of them had serious symptoms, but that's what it's going to take. Monitor it, test it, show that you have the interest of the student-athlete put forth And therefore, you can have everybody get back to some sort of normalcy. I really do. I think that is a good sign for football to resume as planned this fall. And then you read today that returning Ohio State players must sign a risk waiver in regards to being back on campus and stopping the spread. Of COVID 19. And they also had something in that waiver that was called the Buckeye Pledge. It asked players to pledge to take responsibility for their own health and help stop the spread of COVID 19. The document goes on to warn athletes that although the university is following the coronavirus guidelines issued by the CDC and other experts to reduce the spread of infection, I can never be completely shielded from all risk of illness caused by COVID 19 or other infections. I mean, that's obvious, right? I, I do think that's obvious. Clearly, this is a legal play from Ohio State. Clearly, student-athletes are going to feel pressured to sign it. And think about this. Incoming freshmen who had not turned 18 needed to have a parent or legal guardian sign the waiver. That was what allowed them and permitted them to use the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And it says men men and women's basketball players are able to resume workouts at the Schottenstein Center next week. Quote, the form mentions that Players who do not adhere to the pledge could be prohibited from participating in athletic activities or using on campus facilities. It would not affect their scholarship status, according to the document. I don't know if I agree or disagree with this. Clearly, Ohio State is covering all of their bases, but it's not like they're just simply throwing these kids to the wolves saying, hey, you know, we're all going to go sit in the steam room for an hour and a half and breathe all over each other and sweat all over each other. No. They're sitting there going, if you don't follow the guidelines that we have put in place, if you don't follow the Buckeye Pledge, which says you are going to follow those guidelines and do everything needed to stop the spread, then we can ask you or we can tell you, hey, we don't need you around here because you're not doing your part. We want to have football. We want to go about this the right way, and you have to understand that nothing can shield you 100% from this pandemic. I think that's almost common sense. Like if you're a student athlete, you're going, yes, this makes sense. And I'm putting my name on a piece of paper to essentially say, I will follow the guidelines put in place. And I know that I will not be 100% saved from the risk of contracting coronavirus. Unless you literally sit in your apartment all day, every day, or your dorm all day, every day, and don't leave, then you would probably be close to 100% shielded from it. But as you're entering the real world, Again, I'm on the fence here. Is it bad optics? Maybe so, but I don't see how this is not common sense. Ohio State, you know, leave it to them to cover their bases from a legality standpoint. Obviously, we're all very familiar about what has happened there in the past, but this is something to me that just says we want everybody's hand in the pile. Okay. That's how I see it. Again, I'm going to say, I'm indifferent on this specific issue. The optics are bad, but it does make sense. Put your hand in the pile. Scrolling through Twitter, I see Dan Wolken from... USA Today, and if you follow Dan, you know obviously um, that he loves to insert his opinion on just about anything, and he's saying how this is a travesty, how how this is such a bad deal from Ohio State. It's not surprising from Ohio State, and uh, he wants to talk to a legal guardian who signed off on an 18-year-old heading back to campus, signing the waiver, signing their lives away. If they were to contract COVID-19, which statistics would tell you if you do contract it, probably sick for a couple of days, maybe you don't even know you have it, if you're in that age group. Again, during the quarantine chronicles, I sat here and told you, I think it is possible to completely understand the severity of what's going on, but also remain grounded in knowing that within this specific age group, student-athletes are going to be okay, hopefully, hopefully. Are there outliers where it hasn't been okay? Yes, and that is tragic. But Dan Wolken, the same guy who's going to just absolutely tear Ohio State to shreds for creating this waiver, is the same guy that said offensive and defensive linemen, college football players are at extreme risk of contracting and being really ill from COVID 19 because they are classified as obese. He wrote that article. You could look it up. You know, I read the article and go, Yeah, they might be big boys, and sure, their body mass index or their weight might put them into that obese category, but these guys are in fantastic shape. They can run. They can lift weights. I mean, they can get their heart rate going. It's not like they're going to go run gasters and then just fall to the ground. Okay, so again, I have not, based on my research, seen any college student-athlete football player so far be very, very ill with coronavirus in the hospital, infecting all of his other teammates. What I have seen is the university say, we want our student-athletes back on campus. I talked about some of the Ole Miss players that were calling the Ole Miss Athletic Department saying, my scholarship check is not getting my family to the end of the week. My parents aren't working. I don't have a place to work out. We don't have enough food in the pantry. We don't have internet access. Those things are real. I've talked to some sources as well that said schools were able to send care packages to families in need because obviously NCAA guidelines say you can't just send them extra scholarship money. These kids have been off campus since March. That's a long time. That is a long time. I think this was the best move for the interest of the student-athletes. Get them back on campus. Get them back to some normalcy. Have the proper protocol to make sure you are doing everything necessary to show that there is a path forward. And I do think there is a path forward. I really do. Now, obviously, if you watch the news, it's doom and gloom every single day. It's tough to watch. It really is tough to watch. Just forward thinking, you think, man, I would love for there to be football on this fall. This past weekend, we had golf back on. The PGA Tour was at the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas. And what a blessing that was, just to have some live sports on, Just to be able to watch something on Saturday and Sunday afternoon, guys grinding it out, competing. And as I'm out and about, people ask me, are we going to have fans in the stands? Are we going to be at full capacity? Is it going to be half capacity? My answer is I don't know, and right now, June fifteenth, two 2020, nobody knows. Absolutely nobody knows. This is such a fluid situation. And again, it is so unique because it's going to be state by state. I mean some states are still technically in lockdown, whether it be phase one or phase two. Georgia, where most of our listeners are, and in the southeast in general, we've been opened up now for about eight or nine weeks. And thankfully, extremely thankfully, it seems like in this specific area, there has not been a continued spread or a rampant second wave that has shown signs as of right now. Other states have. And other states are going to have to figure out how they move forward. But right now, football is going to be played in the fall. Keep in mind, it's the first weekend of September, people. we got three months, three of the hottest months, three of the most human months, which the CDC would tell you is not good for the coronavirus. Is it going to go away? Of course not. Of course not. Will there be a second wave in the fall? Yeah, there probably will be. Will there be a vaccine by then? Probably not. Will there be herd immunity? Maybe so. But what we have learned so far, if you read anything, if you watch anything, is that it affects the elderly specifically. And maybe by that time, I don't know, maybe by that time they're just telling people if you're at risk or if you're pre-exposed to these conditions, you might not want to go to a football game in the fall. You know, I follow a lot of college football people on Twitter. Obviously, my Twitter timeline is very college football-based, and I get that. And you see people put up polls, if you could go to a college football game right now, would you? A lot of people say yes. I don't know if I would right now, but a lot of people say yes. You're outside. It's hot. 100% capacity, I don't know. You know I don't know. Would you have to wear a mask inside the stadium? I don't know. Think about that. Sanford Stadium, second week of September, probably 95-plus degrees. You're going to have a hat on. You're probably going to have sunglasses on. You throw that mask on. Every exhale, your sunglasses are going to fog up, and every inhale, they're not going to fog up, right? little tough situation. Then say you're in your section. If it is 100% capacity or if it is 85% capacity, you know you take your mask off just to get a gasp of fresh air. The guy next to you sees you with your mask off. He takes his mask off. You kind of give each other a wink and say, hey, we're okay here. Next thing you know, everybody in your section doesn't have a mask on. How are they going to police that? I don't know. I mean, I don't think it is policeable, if you will. It's a very interesting situation. But again, in regards to the SEC, I think the SEC is at the forefront of making sure all teams do play. What will capacity look like? I think that's going to be up to the athletic directors, the university presidents, Commissioner Sankey, the head football coaches. And of course, they will have the government weigh in and tell them what they think is best at that time. But right now, it's not even worth guessing. It's not even worth trying to look forward and say, man, I hope I have my seats and my season tickets. What does tailgating even look like? I mean, universities can sit there and say no tailgating on Saturdays. Arguably, that's the most fun part of a lot of college football experiences. But again, why sit here and forecast something that is three months away? I won't do it. I will remain optimistic. I know for a fact we will have football. You know, I'm hearing schools like Stanford and Harvard might not have in-person classes during the fall. Would Stanford football players want to play even if they were virtual learning in the fall? I would say yes, they would. Over 90% of the players on Stanford's football team would say yes, we want to play football in 2020 even if we don't have students on campus in the fall. I really do believe that over 90% of the players on Stanford's roster would say, yes, I want to play football if there are no students on campus in the fall. But if the university president sits there and says, no students on campus in the fall, no football for us, I would have a really hard time believing the rest of the Pac-12 would say, well, neither are we. No, they're going to go ahead and play. They are going to go ahead and play. Dollars and cents, y'all. Dollars and cents. Money talks and I think at the end of the day, with the guidelines and the protocols that are being shown across the country with the return of student athletes and coaches to their respective facilities, there is a path forward, and we're going to have college football this fall. It's kind of my thoughts right now and everything going on. Kind of let that first week go, see what's happening, see the reports of kids getting coronavirus, obviously seeing reports of schools battling and dealing with some of the consequences of people returning back to campus, but it looks like they're making the right steps. They are. I got a couple of other headlines that I'm going to save for the episodes for the rest of the week. Um, A lot going on in college football, and unfortunately, um, nothing to talk about with respects of on the field that gets you excited about football returning in the fall. Um, Just a lot of sad stuff, a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of unfortunate stuff as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, I'll kind of put my spin on it, let you know what I think. But um, you know what? Um, I love college football, and I'm happy that we're going to have it this fall. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you rating, reviewing, and subscribing to Punt and Pass anywhere that you can get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, anywhere and everywhere. Follow us on Twitter, at Punt and Pass, on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Drew Butler. Check out puntandpass.com. Brand new website coming out here in the next few weeks. And we will talk to you tomorrow. See you.